Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 5 1 Volleyball Podcast. My name is Dan, and you came to the number one place for professional volleyball discussion right here. You're listening to the podcast. Today, we have a pretty fun episode. We had a lot of Champions League games this week, so I'm going to go over the quarterfinal matches that went on this week, as well as preview the semifinal Champions League matches that are happening in a couple weeks' time. And I'm also going to go over my award winners for the Plus Liga season for this year, which is the Polish Professional Volleyball League. Go over the best players, pick an MVP, talk about, you know, maybe preview some of the playoffs, that kind of thing. So let's start in Zenit Kazan, where we had an absolutely incredible matchup. Unexpectedly incredible, by the way. I did not expect this series to be close at all, but it ended up coming down to a golden set between Truffle Gdansk and Zenit Kazan. Gdansk, I've talked about it before, 10th place in the Plus Liga. Can't believe they made the final eight in the Champions League, let alone took Zenit Kazan to a final set. Kazan, the winners of the previous four editions of the Champions League, almost got eliminated here. They were so close, but they managed to pull it through, including uh, giving up multiple match points to Truffle Gdansk. And actually, believe it or not, this was Zenit Kazan's first loss and I believe it was three years since March 2016. This is the first time they lost an actual match in the Champions League. And it was to Truffle Gdansk. Crazy stuff. Anyway, well, the reason for Truffle Gdansk's success, though, is a guy I'll probably talk about later in the podcast, too. But Maciej Muzai, the Polish opposite, 24 years old. We saw in the first leg versus Zenit Zahn, where he had that unreal game where he had 26 for 41 hitting for 63%. That was an incredibly impressive performance. And he did his best to replicate it here, hitting 25 for 51 with uh, three errors. So not quite the efficiency that he had in that last match, but he was getting like a lot of out-of-system balls, a lot of um, balls that Kazan knew they were coming to him, so they put up a really nice block. You know that Matt Anderson... Artem Volvich and Mikhailov. That's a pretty tough trio to get around as an outside hitter. So Muzai didn't have like the unbelievable game that he had in the last part of this game, but Truffle Gdansk still did a really good job forcing a golden set against Zenit Kazan, which they unfortunately lost 15-12 in the golden set. But still, managing to force that against a team that's won five, four championships in a row, five in the last decade. There's This is actually the first match that uh, Zenit Kazan has technically lost in three years in the Champions League since March 2016, which is just crazy to think about. Like, what kind of league has a team that literally hasn't lost a match three years in a row? That's, like, unheard of in most sports. And Truffle Gdansk would never have bet on them to be the team that broke that streak, but here they are. Too bad they didn't win that golden set. That would have been one of the most hilarious upsets in sports I've ever watched. Of course, not if you're a Zenit Kazan fan, and I know there's probably probably a couple of you listening to this podcast who are very happy that it didn't end up going, uh, getting eliminated. But but what an exciting series this was. This could this could be the most exciting series of this entire Champions League playoffs. Both games were absolute thrillers from start to finish. Like look at the set score or the set scores in this game. 25 25-23, 25-23, 29-27, 17-15, 15-12. Every set was decided by three or less points. Really exciting match. Kazan was serving really well today. 
only a five aces on the match, which is less than they had last time, but a couple of their players, Engapet and Mikhailov especially, went on some really key service runs. Also a lot of blocks for them, 10 blocks on the match, three from Butko, two from Volvich, and just a lot of block touches too. So Kazan, I mean, they're still they're still probably one of the favorites to win the title, but I think uh, Perugia is looking at the, this matchup now a lot better than they were before. They're like, okay, hey, if Trefl Gdansk can take Seneca's on to a final golden set, then we're better than Gdansk, so we should be able to do pretty well against them too. On the other side of this bracket, the aforementioned Sir Colossi Sakoma Perugia uh, played on their home floor against Shoma. Shoma took them to five sets in the last match, almost almost had the victory in five against Perugia, but almost the exact opposite of that happened here. Very quick match here, just over an hour. 75 to 54 total set score and this is just a ridiculous performance by Perugia especially you know your guy Wilfredo Leon with five aces on the match this I think all of them were in that third set too I think it was about it was the score was pretty similar in the teens and then Leon just went on this huge run and took Shoma out of it team hit very well too 53 percent 10 aces 12 blocks including a huge game for Fabio Ricci five kill blocks four kills pretty pretty good stuff from Richie there and then another three blocks from Atanasijevic and then Shoma their star player Taylor Averill only had four for seven kills this set Winklemuller did the best job he could he's been a bit of a revelation for Shoma played really well this season they're the French opposite but this match 16 for 30 attacking but that looks good until you see that he also was blocked eight times on those misses so not a lot of continuations from his attacks just straight up getting roofed if he did not get the kill and then of course the service pressure that Shoma puts on Perugia was nowhere even though Perugia is not the best passing team you, you have to put a little bit more than that only one ace and Perugia passing enough to get the ball to Leon and Itanasijevic which is really that's really all they need so that means we have a rematch of last year's semifinal matchup between Zena Kazan and Sir Safety Perugia. And we all know how that one went. Kazan absolutely crushed Perugia, who's having the season of a lifetime, winning the Italian Cup and eventually the Italian Championships. But one of the big reasons for Kazan's huge victory, which, you know, this guy, Wilfredo Leon, is pretty good, right? Six aces in this match, 13 for 21 attacking. Oh, except wait. He's not on Kazan anymore. He's on the team they're playing, Perugia. This is like Kevin Durant playing Oklahoma City with the Warriors. This is the one of the best players in the world, or in Leon's case, the best player in the world. Switching teams in a semifinal matchup. Oh, man, this is crazy. This is a great volleyball storyline. I'm really looking forward to it. Perugia is going to have a lot of serving power. I know Zena Kazan's a pretty strong passing team, but even they are probably going to struggle with passing Perugia's you know obviously everyone struggles with passing Wilfredo Leon serves so he could really obviously he's a difference maker he's amazing but Zanikazan is still a very strong serving team as we've seen throughout this season in the Russian League and throughout the season in the Champions League and so far Sir Safety Perugia has been able to get away with not very good passing because they have Leon and Atanasijevic, who are two of the best high ball hitters 
in the world at the moment. They don't need good passes. They don't need a fast tempo. Just throw it up to them and they'll find a way to score. But, I mean, if they're having to do that with every single pass, every single set, every time, that could really start to wear on them. And remember, the semis this year are not just the uh, the one game they were last year because last last year we had the Final Four and the years before we had Final Fours where it's winner, winner go home. Now we have a home and home. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of strategy. There's going to be a lot of game planning. It's a lot of time pr to prepare for these matches. So hopefully we this goes down to the wire and we see a golden set because I love watching these two teams play against each other. I definitely give Zenit Kazan the advantage on reception and back row defense but i give probably perugia the advantage in attacking so it'll be interesting to see what the results of the series are i'm predicting a perugia win i think zeneca's on we've seen some serious cracks in their play over the last few weeks i know they're obviously a 23 and 1 still in the russian league but something about the champions league just the, the mental aspect seems to be getting to them they even had a few close games in the uh in the pool play round. So I think Perugia, this it's a perfect storyline. Leon switching teams, beating his former team, and going on to win his fifth Champions League in a row with a different team. So really looking forward to this matchup. On the other side of the bracket, we had Zenit St. Petersburg just narrowly lose to Skra Belchatov. This is another really fun match. Went to a golden set that Skra won 15-11. Personally, I'm surprised that Scraw let it get to that point. At this point, their team is mostly healthy. We saw Shalpuk, while not at full strength, he did make an appearance in this match. And I think at full strength, Belzatov is definitely a more talented team than Zenit St. Petersburg. And additionally, at home in Belzatov, Scraw won 3-1. So all they needed to do was win two sets. They didn't even need to win the match. They could have just won two sets and still lost to Zenit St. Petersburg, and they still would have made it through. But ZSP, credit to them, played a really good match to start out. A lot of errors from Scraw too. 12 attacking errors in this in this match. Jakob Kohanovsky, definitely the offensive star for Scraw. Hit 14 of 20, just ridiculous there. You know, we, we're, we've missed Kohanovsky in a couple Plus Liga games now, so it's great to see him back and in full form. And he put two blocks and two aces to add to that for 22 points, the highest scorer for Scrog. Love to see a middle as the highest scorer. It doesn't happen often, but this team is kind of built around Kohanovsky right now with Shalpik out and Vlajli uh, kind of limited. Speaking of Vlajli, only 8 for 21, got blocked four times, made two attacking errors. So uh, I, I really don't want to say that Vlajli is washed up. I think he can still finish out the year strong, but I think it's... Scraw is going to have some tough decisions to make if Vlajli keeps uh, playing, hitting this poorly, and Rene Tapan sitting there on the bench like, hey guys, I just played really well for us for like eight games while Vlajli was out. Like, why am I not getting a chance to start when clearly it would help us win? But anyway, it's Piazza's decision to make. Vlajli, though, to be fair, five kill blocks. Really impressive. It's crazy how high he still gets up for those blocks. Kind of an undersized opposite. I think he's only about 6'4", but... Just absolutely skies for those blocks and has really excellent timing as well. The leading scorers for Zenit St. Petersburg, your Grozier once again, having a monster game, hitting 22 for 42. And most of those were in the first few sets. He had an excellent first few sets of this match. He looked like pretty much unstoppable. There was one play where he had a clean OT 
on a sea ball. I think it was who's the left side blocker. I think it was over a Batapor and Carl Kloch. Just a clean OT on a sea ball. And he hits it with so much power. If he gets a clean like look on the ball, it's so rare that opponents will dig it. Uh, just really impressive stuff from him. But then you could tell he was definitely starting to run out of steam later on. I think that's a criticism a lot of people have of sometimes uh, on Tipkin's setting on this team that he over relies on Grozier. Grozier has it going in the first few sets. And then if it's a long game like this one, where it went to five sets, then Grozier, he's not superhuman. He's a really good player, but you're jumping with that much weight. It puts a much bigger toll on your body than maybe someone who's skinnier. And just jumping that much in general is tough to deal with. I'd say another main problem for Zenit St. Petersburg in this match, even though they did out, like they technically won three sets to Belshatov's two, but their main issue, I think they could have uh, got the entire match if they just had better reception. I'm not sure why uh, Sivuhelez was so trusted uh, to pass because he really was doing a pretty terrible job passing. And we know Kameho is always going to struggle a bit, although he was he was better than Sivuhelez. Uh, going at 13% perfect reception while Sivohel is only at 8%. And the issue, too, is the Zenit St. Petersburg libero is not particularly amazing passer either. Krivechko, I believe is how you say it. Uh, probably not. Anyway, yeah, so the passing line for Zenit St. Petersburg, not the best. I mean, they had Grozier on fire. Obviously, they have Kameho, who both really good highball hitters, so they're, they do have good out-of-system hitters, but... It's just really tough to outscore your opponents when you're not passing that well. And then Evgeny Sivuhelez, 5 for 22 hitting with 3 airs and 3 blocked attacks. That's that's really tough to recover from too. So Senate St. Petersburg, you have a great core for a team. Next year, I would probably definitely set Pavel Pankov as the full-time setter over Antipkin. And then I would also find another high-level outside to pair with Oriol Kameho. Because he's a, he's a fantastic hitter, but I think you need that more defensive outside kind of like they have in Leon and Lanza and Perugia you need to have that defensive outside and offensive outside who can hit it from anywhere on the court so Belchatov is advancing from that match and then less exciting match on the other side of the bracket and again Moscow surprisingly took Kuchine Lubechivitanova to five sets in their first uh, match that took place in Moscow but then just like Perugia Chivitanova really easily took care of business on their home turf italians man they, they've, they've got some great fans they like playing at home uh so well done to lube chiva to nova Andre leal was the leading scorer for this game with 16 points for lube 12 of 18 so wasn't really missing a lot similar to sokolov also hit 12 for 18 with two blocks in there and three aces for leal as well just a dominating performance they hit 60 percent for the match six aces 10 blocks everyone was involved Lots of scoring from lots of different options. The middles basically didn't miss. Juan Arena had a really crappy game, actually. Uh, was struggling, but when the rest of your team is playing that well. Juan Arena hit 3 for 13, got blocked 5 times, and they still managed to hit 60%. So think of how much of a blow this would be if Juan Arena played one of his normal matches. Dynamo Moscow is one of those teams that looks really, really good sometimes, and other times they just look like they are like a second-league Russian team. They play so badly. I, I don't, they're very inconsistent. Dick Coy is like that. Sometimes he hits the ball and you're like, like this match he had a couple shots crossed that just like you hardly see anyone hit that hard. Really impressive stuff. And then he'll hit, he'll make a hit that hits like the bottom of the tape. And that'll just be 
like back to back. You never know what you're getting with him. Ilya Vlasov, for someone who's kind of supposed to be one of the younger up and coming stars of the Russian national team, really was a complete non-factor in this game. Hit one for eight, including two errors in the first two sets, then got benched for Ostapenko. So tough game for him. He's he's had a bit of a tough season. I'm not sure where he's going to fit on the Russian national team. Probably well behind, obviously, Mizersky and Volvich, but probably behind, but potentially behind Kyrkiv as well. Anyway, not, not a bad job by uh, Dynamo Moscow to get this far. Now they're going to focus on their Russian league playoffs, where I believe they are the seventh seed. So Skrat Belchatov and Lubechi Vitanova will be playing on the other side of the semifinal bracket. And I'm not, it's still going to be an exciting series. Maybe not quite as excited for it as I am for uh, Kazan versus Perugia, just because there's kind of some better storylines over on that other side. The main question with this series is with health. Is Arthur Schalpuk going to be playing at close to his maximum potential? I don't know. He, he has been in matches recently, but he hasn't looked exactly 100% healthy. Is where What level is Vlaja going to play at? Is he going to be healthy for this? Is Kohanovsky going to be completely healthy? Just a lot of health concerns for Scraw. I think if they are completely healthy, even completely healthy, I think Lubechi Vitanova still theoretically has a more talented team that matches up well with them. Lubechi Vitanova playing a lot better recently too. They've had the rough patches this season for sure, but they've taken care of business in the Champions League for the most part. We've seen, like we saw this game from Juan We've seen games like that from Yoandri Leal. Not really from Sokolov, but we've seen their outside hitters you know, have these really high air games. It definitely happens to them sometimes, but Bruno has been playing well recently, distributing the ball excellently, finding good distribution of attacking options, finding... He's had a, some really nice sets to Robert Landy, Simon. I mean, it's, that relationship took a while to develop, but now that we see how well they work together, Bruno just like bumps setting, like sliding out of bounds. For Robert Landy, all you have to do is just throw it up like anywhere near the net, and he'll, he'll get it in. Usually he scores. But not to say that Lube is guaranteed to win. I think Scraw definitely puts up a fight. We've seen their backs against the wall several times this season, and they've just been able to fight back. They made the playoffs after having that horrible start and all those injuries, and now they're finally starting to have a fully healthy team together. So I'm excited to see what this healthy Scraw team can do. But at the same time, I, I do think Luby Givanova is quite likely to advance, but hopefully we get some exciting matches out of it. So I am predicting a perugia Lube final, I think is my final prediction. Which, I don't know, we've seen these teams play each other a million times. It's always a good match, so I'd be down. I kind of like seeing a final series with two different countries, uh, preferably, but it'll be weird having Zenit Kazan not in the finals, that's for sure. I think, I think that would be like one of the first times in a really long time where there's no Russian team in the finals, probably since like the mid 2000s. Anyway, I'll look that up and I'll let you guys know maybe on the next podcast when the last time uh, a Russian team has not been in the finals of the Champions League. I mean, it could still happen. Zenekas on could easily beat Perugia and win their fifth title in a row. But we still have a little while before those matches start. The first round of the semifinals, remember it's it's two round home and home. So the first round is April 2nd to April 4th and then the second part of that is April 9th to April 11th so we have lots of volleyball to play between now and then but there's going to be some hype for these matchups I'm really excited I think four really good teams 
made it through. And as much as I would have liked to see the upset of Gdansk beating uh, Zenit Kazan, it, it definitely would have made this this round less exciting because I would have expected Perugia to absolutely stomp Gdansk. But who knows? Champions League Gdansk, man. They're a totally different team than Plus League Gdansk. Machi Muzai just turns into a complete monstrous opposite beast of a player when he's playing in the Champions League. All right, so that's enough CEV talk. Really fun round, quarterfinal round. A lot more fun than I expected. I expected there to be a lot more blowouts, but that first day of uh, quarterfinal matches was hilarious with Shoma and Perugia going to five, and then Moscow and Lube going to five, and then Gdansk and Perugia going to five. That It was exciting. Then Belchatov beating uh, Zenit St. Petersburg, which I think a lot of people picked St. Petersburg to to beat Scraw. I wasn't one of them. I, I knew what the Scraw guys, I knew what they were capable of. All right, anyway, enough, enough, enough. Let's talk about the Plus Liga. We're just about wrapped up with the Plus Liga season. If you didn't know our playoff teams, Zaksa, Kadrush, and Kajle, number one. Warsaw, number two. Shistrebshi, Vigil, number three. Rudom, number four. Savrici, number five. And, of course, Champions League Final 14, PGE, Skral, Belchatov in sixth place. So those are for sure the playoff teams. There's no other situations that could happen. Rusovia actually ended up finishing seventh. They were like literally in last place for like the first seven games. I think they started 0-7. So 11-13 and 13 might seem below the expectations they had of themselves at the start of the season, but ended up being a lot better. They, they went on to tear at the end of the season. They're probably, if they, I would definitely have them as a better team than Radom and Zavrici right now. Like, they could easily beat both those teams in the playoffs. But you got to play well the entire season. That's that's what makes the regular season important, especially in a league where only six of 14 teams make it. So Zaxa and Warsaw are going to have buys in the first round. I believe, okay, I believe Savrici can still pass Rodome if they beat Lubin 3-0, which could very well happen. If they somehow lose to Lubin and don't get a point against them and Scraw wins, against Zaxa 3-0, which is pretty unlikely, then Skra Belchatov could take 5th place, but it'll likely be Zvrici in 4th place probably, and Rodome in 5th place. Not that it matters that much anyway, because they're just going to be playing each other either way in the first round, and whoever gets out of that series will probably lose against the team they play next. So because we have all our playoff stuff figured out already, I thought it'd be a cool exercise to go through and look at some of the best players from the Plus Liga this season. Just like I kind of did in my Italian All-Stars YouTube video, I'm going to look back and pick two teams of the best players in the Plus Liga, and then I'm going to pick an MVP for this season. So the first team will be comprised of the best players, two outsides, an opposite, two middles, a setter libero. Same thing for the second team. I think I'll start with the first team because that's the more interesting one to be honest that's the best players in the plus liga of course this is all unofficial this is just my personal what i would do personally i don't even think they have official end of the year teams okay anyway my team the first outside hitter i am selecting is sam deru of zaxa and kajle missed a few games recently for sure that hurts him a bit but the season he was having was so outstanding before he got hurt and then he had the flu that I just had to put him on this list. He's just having such a dominant season from every aspect of volleyball. 4.38 points per set, 
55% positive reception, and 56% kill, kill percentage. So really, really strong attacking. Of course, everyone on Zaxa tends to have pretty good attacking numbers just because of how good that offense is. But one of the reasons that the offense is so good is because Sam Daru is such a good passer. Also, monstrous blocker. That's one thing I really noticed with him this year is how effective of a blocker he is. I think this year just really opened my eyes. Daru is a legit elite outside player, and he more than deserves a spot on this list. He's not my MVP pick, but he probably would have been if he played the entire season. I think he, he's definitely one of the top few guys in the Plus Liga from a talent perspective. And then filling out the other outside spot, we have our first French on this list of a few, actually. And it's Thibaut Rossard playing for Rosovia. I know they didn't even make the playoffs, so why, why do you have him on the first team? Well, he just had such a dominant season. I, I, I couldn't justify leaving him off. He was, even when they were playing badly, he was like the only shining star on that team. He was the only reason why they ever won any sets. He was a huge presence at the Club World Championships and one of the big reasons why they've done so well to almost make the playoffs. He had 4.4 points per set, 53% reception efficiency, or positive reception, and 48 kill percentage. So not like outstanding like Sam Darub, but he's playing with a much more difficult offense with the several different setters between Lucas Kozub and uh, Rafael Redwitz and Kawika Shoji. So he had to deal with several different setters, starting setters throughout the season. He was getting a really high set load. He was having to hit a lot of high balls, a lot of... Uh, out of system balls so the fact that he still had a pretty good percentage and his serve was devastating this year too he, he if you if you watch him during the club world championships you know what i'm talking about he he has a really nice spin serve and i think he'll for sure be a member of the french national team this summer and a player i alluded to earlier in the podcast just an absolute monster in volleyball one of the best polish opposites in my opinion i think an underrated polish opposite in my opinion Machi muzai always seen as a really hyper-athletic guy, didn't quite have the technical things figured out, made a lot of attacking errors, but this season, 5.37 points per set, leading the entire league in uh, points scored and 49% kill percentage. It's not quite as good as he was in the Champions League, but still pretty ridiculous numbers. Pretty much the only offensive option on Gdansk, the other wings being Ruben Schott and Nikola Milovic. So they relied on him a lot to get points, a lot of out-of-system balls. And Mudai delivered effectively. He's really gotten a lot better at avoiding blockers, which is one of the issues with his hitting the last few years. He could jump really high. But we see some of these hyper-athletic guys, they try and bury the ball through the floor. But now, I mean, Muzai is athletic enough that he can go over top of the blockers a lot of the time. But now he's done a lot better of recognizing where the blockers are, recognizing whether he has a triple or single or double block and really scoring a lot more effectively i'd still like to see him become a better server i think that's a big weakness in his game but he definitely has the mechanics and the athleticism to be a strong server he just needs to i don't know he needs to get in the gym more or something because it's a little too inconsistent right now for my tastes first middle blocker on this team Jakub kohanovsky of course who else could it be Guy was a star last year on Olsen in his second year in the league, in his third year in the league with Scraw. Still only 21 years old, I believe. Turning 22 in July, 2.87 points per set, 66 kill percentage, and 0.52 blocks per set. I think he could definitely, on a different team, he would score even more. 
I mean, 2.87 is not bad for a middle in terms of points, but he really plays within the system in Scraw. But we've seen when Scraw really needs points, they know they can go to Kohonovsky to reliably score them. Dude is a hyper-athletic, could definitely play opposite at some point in his career if he wanted to. If he gets solid contact on the ball, there is no way he is being dug. Guy hits like he's trying to make a crater in the floor. And, of course, he is a strong jump server, so that always helps. And you think he's doing a better job blocking, too. He's never a bad blocker, but, you know, young middles, it's always tough to teach them to get out to the wings. But, like, I compare him to some of the middle blocking I saw by guys of the same age in the Canadian U Sports games I was watching, and he's just so much better at reading and so much faster getting out to the pins than those guys. So I think he, I think he's an elite blocker this year for sure. Kind of an underrated part of his game now, in my opinion. The other middle blocker, also an easy choice on the first team, Matej Biniak, 2.91 points per set, 68 kill percentage, and again, 0.52 blocks per set. Biniak, I think, I mean, he's been good for so long. I think I kind of forget that he's only 24 years old. Just because he plays with someone with so much confidence, so much poise, especially, I think, being on the Saxe-Katrishan-Kajle team, playing with guys like Tani Udi and Daru and Kashmir, guys who are just really good professionals, I think, has made him a more mature and more complete player. Of course, you can't talk about Biniak without talking about that ridiculous float hybrid serve. I feel like he's one of the only players to do that, where his default serve is a, is a two-handed float serve, but if he wants to, he can get a lot of pace on that thing with a topspin serve. One of the most deadly serves in the Plus Liga has been fooling players for a long time now. Still, no one can really figure it out. And of course, Biniak scoring really effectively and blocking really effectively. Huge part of Zaxa's success this season. And then another Zaxa player. There's a lot of Zaxa players on this first team list. The setter, in my opinion, the best setter in the league this year, Ben Taniuti. I mean, we've talked about him before. Just absolute magician with the ball. Uh, him or Decheco for the best hands in volleyball. It might be Taniuti, though. But yeah, he, he just does a really good job of knowing who to set. Obviously, has a really good connection with his middles. As I just mentioned, Biniak hits really well when being set by Taniuti. Is just a master of finding Kajmerik from anywhere, master of getting it outside from anywhere. Guy, guy must squat a lot because he can. He can fling the ball to like position two from like way outside the back of the court. Really uh, impressive how accurate he is on those long sets. And he brought Zaxa to a 53% team hitting percentage this year and scored. Not not a big score. He's not blocking, getting blocks or aces a lot. But he did score almost half a point per set. But he gives you so much in every other area of the game. It's not he's bad. He's not a bad server. Just doesn't get a lot of aces because it's a floaty. But that back row defense those hands, that ability to find middles from so many different places, the ability to place the ball perfectly even if you're not getting great passes, which Zaxa is a really good passing team too. So Tawny Udi has a lot of opportunities to just absolutely befuddle opposing blockers. He's always one step ahead of them. And for that, he gets on my first team as the setter. And then, I mean, Zaxa, to be fair, they have had a really dominant season, but yeah. I am going to put another Zaxa player as a libero. And this is this might have been the easiest choice on this entire list. But Pavel Zatorski has been the absolute linchpin of the league's best passing line in Zaxa Kajrish and Kajle. He is personally passing a pretty ridiculous 59% positive reception. I mean, he's he, I think, I'd say he might be the best passer in volleyball right now. The guy is just 
knows every server so well, always gets to the ball, just has a really great technique. Can't say enough good things. Obviously, he's no slouch in defense either. Picks up a lot of balls. He's a real leader within the Zaxa locker room. And the fact that he's passes so well just allows them to use their offensive weapons so effectively. It's one of the reasons why Beniex hitting such a high percentage. It's one of the reasons Daru's hitting such a high percentage. It's one of the reasons why Kashmirik is having a good season. It all starts with the passing, and I think Zatorski brings so much passing acumen to the table. It's also why I chose him as my MVP for the Plus Liga, which is, you, some of you may be kind of surprised. And you're like, oh, Dan, like what? As a libero as your most valuable player, liberos are the least important position. They do the least on the volleyball court. Sorry, liberos. That's just what people say. But I think just from a leadership standpoint, he brings so much to that Saxa team. All of them will say, yeah, it all starts with Zatorski. He's he's the leader and one of the leaders in the locker room. He's someone we all rally around. And he does have like really good passing stats for Libero, just miles away from anyone else in the league. So he does have the stats. I wish the Plus Liga recorded digs because I'm sure he would be at the top of that as well. But just, yeah, I just think that passing and leadership is so ridiculously valuable to what Zaxa does. It's basically their identity as a team. So that's why I think Zatorski, I think Zaxa would not be even close to the position they are in if they didn't have Zatorski on their team. And I think he's, I think he got recognized obviously last summer. He's getting recognition in this Plus Liga, but I know I love liberos because they just, they just keep getting better, man. doesn't matter. A lot of them peak kind of late twenties, early thirties. So good to see Zatorski. Hopefully he gets even more recognition than what he has now. So I would say those were the best players of the Plus Liga this year, the best team I could make. But there's other guys who deserve recognition. So I'm going to do a second team as well. For my second team, first outside hitter, Julian Liniel. I think our third French player I've done so far. So a lot of good French representation in the Plus Liga. But Liniel, the best player probably, him or Campa, definitely on just Strebshi Vigil this year. Liniel with 3.66 points per set. 51% positive reception, and 47 kill percentage. So not eye-popping numbers, not like his French teammate Thibaut Roussard, but still was a huge part of many of their victories they had throughout the season. He ended up being tied with Machi Muzai with six match MVPs for the season. So you know that he was playing really good defense. He had a couple of really clutch serving runs that gave Jastrebshi Vigil some key wins. And it's, I'm, I'm kind of surprised if Strebshi was was the third place team this season because other than Viniel and, and I guess Campa, they didn't really have a ton of guys who were playing really strongly this season, but they managed to pull out wins when it counted and somehow got that third seed. There wasn't a ton of competition for it, I think, other than Warsaw and Zaxa. There wasn't a huge amount of top tier Polish talent this year, but well done to Viniel, deserved spot on this team. The other outside spot, Wojciech Zielinski. 3.72 points per set, 44% positive reception, 51 kill percentage. So struggled a bit with the passing, but he was probably most consistent force on Redome this year, helped them to that fourth place record. Some of the players on Redome, I think a lot of people thought were disappointing and played under their usual level, but Zelensky actually played above, I think, what people expected of him for this season. Not typically one of the big, not 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 a nobody by any means, but maybe not one of the biggest names in Polish volleyball. But he played really well this season, scored quite a bit for Radom. 
earned five match MVPs on the season. I think he's always been a good player, but I think he's like taken it to another level this season for sure. The opposite I'm giving to Bartosz Kurek. And probably half of you are wondering why I didn't put Kurek on the first team, given you know he just came off MVP of the World Championships and had a pretty good statistical season with 5.5 points per set and 54% kill percentage, which is pretty ridiculous numbers. And the other half are wondering why I have him on the team at all, considering he only played about half the season. So yeah, if he played the entire season, I definitely would have had him as the best opposite because he did play absurdly well in the games that he did play. But he, yeah, he did miss a lot of time, only played in 13 matches, so missed quite a bit of time compared to, especially like Machi Muzai played a way, I think almost double the sets that he played. A lot of these other players played well the whole season rather than just in half the games. But again, yeah, I guess a lot of it wasn't Kyrgyz's fault that Szczesin folded the kind of halfway through the season, so it was needed a few uh, weeks to find a new team to play in. But man, Bartosz Kirk, yeah, he's, I mean, he's still the best opposite, Polish opposite for sure. Definitely playing a lot better in the Plus Liga than he did in the regular season in Turkey the couple of years before that. I think he definitely, yeah, he's, he plays way better in Poland than Turkey. So I think they're going to need to pay a lot of money to Kirak to convince him to go somewhere else. But there are rumors of him uh, going to Italian clubs in the next couple of years. But Warsaw did a really good job of picking him up. Kind of sucks for my boy Shawan Vernon Evans, but Kirak, I mean, you can't you can't turn him down. Great pickup by them, made them an instant contender. You could see how much better of a team they were once they got him. So that he's getting my second team opposite. First middle blockers goes to Canadian Graham Vigras, also teammates with Bartosz Kirak on Warsaw. 2.46 points per set, 67 kill percentage, and 0.48 blocks per set. I think Vigras is finally getting some of the recognition he deserves. I mean, he, the clubs he played for were pretty good in Berlin and uh, Arca Sport Izmir, but I think the fact that he's dominating uh, one of the best leagues in the world like pretty well just goes to show that Canadian players can really compete at the next level and in the top leagues, and he's done a really good job with Warsaw. Of course, getting set by Antoine Broussard helps a lot. But he's just been scoring really effectively. He absolutely killer attacker, great blocker, reads the ball really well, especially getting out to the wings. He's really strong, uh, really devastating float server, has one of the best float serves uh, among middles for sure, in my opinion. Just an o overall great athlete and effective player who can even play a little back row defense when he needs to be. He's definitely one of the better middle blockers at that too. So I'm glad Vigras is on a great club team. I hope he kills it in the playoffs and continues his success on the Canadian national team this summer. The other middle is also a North American middle, but not from Canada. It's from the United States of America, and that's David Smith. He averaged 2.58 points per set, 63% kill percentage, and 0.6 blocks per set, which is the highest among the middles on any of these teams. And again, it's not easy giving awards to teams that were out of the playoffs, and especially teams that started 0-7 or whatever it was for Rosovia. But David, I mean, he's clearly one of the best middle blockers in Poland. He's been there a few years. He's been one of the best guys the last few years. I mean, you guys know, know have seen him many times, I'm assuming, for Team USA. One of the best players on that team, the captain, starting middle. Just absolutely pounds the ball. Really smart player. Has picked up a lot of little tricks and uh, player tendencies from his 
over a decade, I believe, of professional volleyball. So he's he's a really smart guy. He's, he's done a really good job of retaining his athleticism into, I mean, he's not too old, but at 34, almost 35, a lot of middles are starting to really slow down. But David Smith seems to have most of like the power and jumping ability and foot speed that made him such an effective player earlier in his career. So I don't know, whatever uh, yoga routine or, or whatever he's doing, I, I really, I, th- I think he's doing a good job at maintaining athleticism into old age, which again, see a lot of times around this age, middles have to go to opposite because they're just not fast enough to play in the middle anymore. And then our, our third Warsaw player on this second team is going to be Antoine Brizard, also the second French setter I've been talking about. So Antoine Brizard, I feel kind of bad for him because he would be a, a pretty elite setter. I think he would get a lot more recognition by people if he did not play behind Ben Taniuti on the French national team. He could be a starter on most national teams, in my opinion. But he averaged 0.95 points per set, so almost a point per set as a, as a setter, which is really good, and 53% team hitting. And one of the reasons why he averaged so many points per set is his, his blocking is actually really, really strong. He's 6'4 with pretty good hops, and his timing is just really, really good. Just those French players, man, they are really, really technical. Uh, always have really good ball skills, timing skills, really good touch on the ball, knows how to angle his hands really well. So that helps uh, Warsaw's defense a lot. And I believe they were the best blocking team in the league. Broussard, man, he's such, he compliments Taniuti so well because with Taniuti, you want a really good blocking setter because that's obviously Taniuti's biggest weakness. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Broussard is starting some like actual big matches for France this summer. I think he took another step this season, still relatively young guy at 24 years old. So I think he can still develop even more. His technical ability is still obviously not the same as Tony Udi's because pretty much no one is, but he brings a better service. I think he brings better blocking. There's no slouch and back row defense either. So Brizard, heck of a player, well-deserved spot. And then the last player I'm going to talk about today is Taichiro Koga, the Japanese libero playing for Zavrici. Got got, had to get one Zavrici player on this list, and I think Koga deserves it. 51% positive reception, but he, I think he's a better passer than that stat indicates. I think he's pulls a lot of weight on that Zavrici reception line, takes up a huge chunk of the court when he's passing, especially on float serves. And of course, his if you haven't seen him play back row defense, do yourself a favor and watch one of Savrici's matches this year because that guy is so fast. He's so good at picking up balls that are coming to him. Like, doesn't matter how fast they're coming. He usually finds a way to get a hand on it. And like, if you don't know, he's pretty short. I believe he's only between 5'5 five, five or 5'7. Five, so you don't really see volleyball players that short, even that little barrel position. So it's fun to see just how much how fast he is compared to a lot of these like 6'5 or 6'6 six, six guys running around. He He can zoom right past them, pick up balls that not very many other players can. All right, so that's going to be the end of this podcast for today. I hope I can do a YouTube video uh, on these all-league teams as well, show you guys some footage of the players playing, because I think that's a really good way of communicating how good they are. You can I can talk about the players, and you can kind of uh, look at them play at the same time. Plus Liga playoffs are starting soon. IPLA.tv, if you guys want to watch that. It's going to be really exciting. Maybe not the first round so much, but definitely the semifinals and onwards. Man, Zaxa's looking good, but I think Warsaw could realistically take the title this year. 
You can never count out Scraw. They kind of came into the playoffs hobbling last year as well and ended up winning the whole thing. So I think those three teams, and this just strips you Vigil. Hey, they, they've got a lot of talent on that roster as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. We have the last week of the regular season for the Italian League this weekend. So after that, we're going to get started with the Italian League playoffs as well, which I'm really pumped for. Brazil, their playoffs start this weekend. Russia playoffs start, I believe, early uh, next week. So we're getting to the fun part of the season, the playoffs. There's a ton of volleyball going on right now. So it's, it's, it's going to be crazy covering it all, but I hope I do a good job. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. I hope you learned a little something about the Champions League or the Polish League today. And again, any feedback you guys have for me, I'm more than welcome to hearing it. You can post on my Instagram, send me a DM, or I believe you can comment on the podcast on Podbean or whatever. Fine. I'm, I'm all over the internet. You can find a way to reach me for sure. Maybe at 51vb at gmail.com if you just want to email me directly. Would love to hear from you guys. Probably do another mailbag episode next week. So look forward to that. Do a recap of all the uh, weekend games on Monday. But for now, I hope you ha- guys have a great weekend playing in a volleyball tournament on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. Probably going to watch some games on Saturday night. Then, of course, volleyball Sunday is our tradition. That's just amazing. Volleyball probably all day on Sunday with Italian League, regular season games, and then Brazil playoffs as well. Anyway, have a great weekend, guys. See ya.